16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. The word of the Lord. My name is Ashley Ireland, and it is my joy to be one of our co-lead pastors here. It's good to see you here in the shed, and for any of you watching online, thanks for being with us. Um, first, let me be the say, the one to say, happy spring break to those of you who are on spring break. Now, does it feel like spring? No, but, I mean, who's really paying attention? Um, Yesterday, we got off to a rough start with our spring break. We were supposed to go to the Children's Museum, and they close earlier than we expected. But I was really interested in going to the Children's Museum. It's one of my favorite spots because of this mural. Do you know it? Have you seen this beautiful mural? It is a mural that was created by an artist named Tracy Van Dwynen, and he won second place an art prize, 2009, way back when. And this mural is significant, it's really special because Tracy took regular tiles and pieces of art from his own collection, but then he reached out to other children in the city and around the state and said, would you lend something that belongs to you, something that was created by you to put into the mural. So every time I've gone to this mural at the Grand Rapids Children's Museum, I see something new. 
a quote, a new painting, something higher or lower than I anticipated. Because it's really a collection, a collaborative of multiple people's creativity and ideas. And Tracy put this all together and it's beautiful and we get to look at it for a really long time. But imagine you were one of the children who created a painting on a tile and Tracy put it in this mural and you said to your parent or guardian, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, I wanna go see the mural. I wanna go see something that I've created and I've helped create and when you get there, you run up to the mural, you find your piece and you are nose to nose with the piece that you have created. What happens when we're too close? What happens is all we're concerned with is the thing that's ours, the thing that was created in the past. We might just miss the new thing, the bigger thing in front of you. See, this piece is called Imagine That. And this is part of the artist's statement. Tracy said, look closely and you will always find something new. Viewed from a distance, you see something reflected in the mirrors that wasn't there a minute ago. A passing car, a red shirt, trees blowing in Veterans Park. The reflection also changes with the seasons and the passing of time, morning to evening. Summer leaves change to fall colors. Just like our children, the mural is never the same from, from one moment to the next. Mars Hill, what if there are points at which dwelling on the past, particularly in a wilderness season, actually prevents us from seeing what God is doing right now? Asked differently, when does the past get in the way? Here in Isaiah 43, the text that Nikki read for us, God is comforting God's people through the prophet Isaiah after a series of rebukes. If you go back to chapter 42, that chapter ends emphasizing that the people of God have suffered in Babylon as exiles. They have been worshiping false idols. They have been mistreating the vulnerable amongst them. They were disobedient, but here... In chapter 43, we get a rare look at a promise. It's a hook they can hang their hope on in the form of a promise of release and a return back home to Jerusalem. And yet, looking further into the chapter, some of the language starts sounding familiar. Take a look. This is what the Lord says. He who has made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses. Where have we seen this before? Where did God make a way through a sea while extinguishing an army of chariots and horses? Out of Egypt. We read the account in Exodus 14. So the, the prophet is calling the people of God back. 
to remember God's action on their behalf, to remember how the Lord made a way, to remember the saving event that had rightfully become a part of their narrative and identity over the generations. And then something else curious happens. After calling their minds back to being liberated from slavery, back to their safe passage through the Red Sea, he tells them to forget, forget the former things. Wait a minute, forget that story? Forget God's saving hand, forget being liberated from slavery, their safe passage through the Red Sea, the Egyptian army being overwhelmed by the same waters that God had dried up for them to pass through. Why? Why forget? Let me show you a picture. This first photo was taken in my backyard over the weekend. Stunning, isn't it? <laughs> this past winter, we had some work done and the yard was completely unrecognizable. So before the snow came, they covered over the lawn with straw so that it would be protected, it wouldn't get too muddy, then it snowed, and then as you can see, because of the snow, this tree that was once really beautiful in the summer and spring months, it lost all of its leaves, and then a couple weeks ago, we all remember those heavy winds, we lost a storm door, just blew right off the hinges and landed in our yard. And then, before that, there was construction and a mound of dirt, and for some of us in the shed that have metal detectors, it was a playland for some of you. remembered the story and I continue to remember the story of what has happened in this yard over the past few months. What used to exist, what has recently taken place, day after that day, that was a story I recalled upon walking out to look over our backyard until just recently. Something in the mulch caught my eye. Just like every other morning, getting the kids into the car, this morning was a little different because I actually walked over and I leaned down and I looked and I saw this. I saw this in the mulch. Because even though winter is hanging around longer than I want it to, even though the world of my backyard isn't where I quite want it to be, even though it's messy and in disarray, something is springing up. Praise the Lord. Amen, Jim. <laughs> the prophet tells the people to forget because if they dwell on the past, they won't be in position to notice the new. If they dwell too long on the past, they won't be in position to notice the new. From where you sit right now, my brothers and sisters, what's the narrative of what you notice? What are you noticing in your life? in our city, 
in the world. In this fifth week of Lent, perhaps you've identified with God's people in exile more than you expected to. And your narrative is one of resignation. My current reality has been reality for so long that this is likely the way it's going to be for a really long time. You imagine nothing different. Perhaps you tell yourself that God has forgotten you, that there's no way you're getting out of this current situation. Perhaps you've told a story of what has happened in the past so frequently that it's now run itself like a deep groove in your favorite vinyl record. For the Israelites, that story of the Exodus was part of their story like a deep groove. And yet Isaiah makes it clear that deep grooves have the potential to distract from new streams. And I think the question for God's people is the same question for us today, Mars. Do we see what God is doing now? In the wasteland, in the weariness, in the perpetual state of our reality, in the chaos, the question is, do you not perceive it? Can I tell you that more times than I'd like to personally admit, my answer is no. No, I don't, I don't always perceive it, God, when a loved one is sick. I don't know what you're up to. No, God, I don't always know what you're doing when I see divisions within the American church that keep me up at night and anxious. No, God, I don't always know what you're doing when country after country seems to be steeped in some sort of war. For you, maybe you don't perceive what God is doing in your marriage that is stagnant on the edge of crumbling. You don't perceive what God is doing in your job, a job that you have all of a sudden lost vision and passion for. You don't perceive what God is doing in your very body. You don't recognize yourself when you look in the mirror in the morning. So how in the world do we answer yes? To that question. What must we keep in mind that we might answer, yes, Lord, we perceive it. I love this passage in Isaiah because I think it calls us to pay attention to two things, just two. The first is the places where we're dwelling. Notice what Isaiah doesn't say. He doesn't say that the past shouldn't be honored, that it shouldn't be referenced as evidence of God's action. We've already seen that Isaiah, in these very verses, evokes the people to remember what God has done and who God is, what God's character is like. And yet... Isaiah says there's more. I love what one scholar says. They say the past can teach and illustrate, but it must not bind. 
The Lord is revealed in the past, but the Lord is always more than the past revealed. This reminded me of books I read to my kids. Just recently, we've crossed that threshold where there are certain books that I used to read to my kids that get no love anymore. Good Night Moon, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, Pout Pout Fish, and uh, the one with the rabbits about love and the moon. They're all board books, but over time, my kids have grown out of them because there are new books that they would like to read. Imagine if my six and seven-year-old came to me and said, Mommy, I only want you to read me Chicka Chicka Boom Boom forever and ever and ever. I would say, but, but honey, you know your letters. You know how to read this book back and forth. If you only read this one book, we'd miss out on the new one, Sophia Valdez, Future Prez. Or Good Hair. Or Jabari Jumps. We would miss out on the new stories. So it's not that family traditions or stories aren't meaningful or filled with good memories. They're not bad stories. But could your nuclear family be missing out on the beauty and dynamism of the new stories involving the larger family of God? It's not that the Mars Hill of 2010, five years ago, isn't meaningful or filled with good memories. But what movement of God is happening now? The past can illustrate, but it must not bind. The difference between missing God's movement and noticing the new thing is that on which we choose to dwell. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul chooses to dwell, or you could translate this as to gaze or to look carefully at his life. And he makes an impressive list of reasons he could put confidence in himself because of his birth, his pedigree, his education, his religious zeal. And look at what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So when I think about the Israelites and Isaiah's words to them in Isaiah 43. And when I think about Paul in Philippians, I think we're starting to put together a couple of things. We have to be really clear about what our goal is. What is your goal? When you think about yourself as one who professes Christ, what does it for you? Why are you here? What is it about the church, the gathered body, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the truth of what we read together in scripture? What is it that you want? What is it that you are chasing after? 
For Paul, he makes it very clear. There's only one place worth going, and that is into Christ Jesus. And I have to ask myself that question every day. This is so challenging. Ashley, what is it that you want? Because that is the thing ultimately on which you will cause your life, your sight, your eyes to dwell. The second thing is that he names what might be needed to be left behind. He says, forget my pedigree, forget my education, forget my family, how I grew up. And as I'm reading that passage again, I'm thinking about my own upbringing, I'm thinking about so many of us here in West Michigan that I know who have families that mean so much to them, opportunities that were open because of where they went to school or because of who they knew. And Paul is saying, I'm going to give that up because I'm really clear about my goal. Barbara Brown Taylor, she's an, an author that I really respect. She says this, it's not just about our individual goals and resumes. She says churches have resumes too. Some are proud of their long histories and the distinguished preachers who have filled their pulpits. None of those things is bad, Paul says. It is just that none of those things will get a congregation one inch nearer to where it wants to go. I hope that what we're seeing in the life of the Israelites and the life of Paul is that looking past, looking back, looking to what has come before us, it has its place. But because of the dynamism of what God is doing now, we can't stay there. We can't stay there. So where do you want to go? Where do we want to go? And what might we need to leave behind? Okay. So that's that piece. We have to look at the places where we're dwelling. But then we have to look at the pattern of what God's doing. We already talked about the language Isaiah used to draw the people back to the narrative of the first exodus and how the people would have been asking God about God's whereabouts, perhaps doubting God's willingness to desire to act on their behalf at this point because it's been so long. God, where are you? We've been in Babylon for so many years. Have you forgotten about us? But there's a new thing happening this motif of water and dry land. In the first exodus, God takes water and dries it up. There is a path cleared for them. And what the prophet now brings to God's people in Isaiah 43 is to say, look at the dry land. Look at the wilderness and the wasteland. I'm going to provide a stream. From water to dry land, dry land to water, God is doing something that God has already done because that's what's in God's character. David L. Bartlett says, these were two different dramas by the same author. 
this isn't to say that God is formulaic and that we've all of a sudden figured God out. But in this great reversal, God is prepared to bring his people out of despair and back home once again. In our lives and in the life of our communities and in the church, I bet you if we were to take the time, we could plot the activity of God in our lives and see that there are some undeniable patterns of grace and mercy and provision. Just an example from my own life and from my life with Delwyn. God has consistently over and over again met us with overwhelming presence in places we never would have chosen for ourselves had we known the punchline. In every move, in our adoption, in our vocations, in the people that God has brought into our lives over and over again, we've been overwhelmed by God's goodness and grace. That pattern has looked like a step forward into the unknown and then God revealing so much of a bigger story along the way. Noticing patterns of God's activity, church, has a way of sharpening our perception to God's current and future action. Can I share with you two patterns about our church that I've noticed? Over the years, what I think I know to be true is that God has been radically generous to Mars Hill Bible Church. And in turn, the people of Mars Hill Bible Church have received that generosity and have been generous in return. That's consistent. That's a pattern. And then another pattern I've noticed is that even amidst tumultuous transitions, there has been a consistency in God's taking this community and providing stability for others. Vulnerable children, new Americans and refugees, those who are differently abled, single moms, teenage moms, those in financial crisis through our White Bucket Project. It's interesting that what's marked our recent history has been turnover from within, but God's grace has made it so that we are able to provide stability to others. And I think that is remarkable. That is who God has been to us, just in part. Do we not perceive it? God asks through the prophet Isaiah, do you not see what I'm doing? Do you not know who I have been? This question wasn't just for the people of God coming out of Egypt, nor was it just for the exiles who would be leaving Babylon and heading back home. Fast forward to John 12. Jesus is honored at a dinner. Martha is serving a meal. And Lazarus is there, the one who Jesus had just brought back from the dead. Mary takes a pint of pure nard, which was worth about a full year's wages, and anoints Jesus' feet with her hair. 
There's so much we could say about this passage, but there was someone else there. Judas. And Judas witnesses this act of extravagance as he objects. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? We're told his motives, but we also see Jesus' response. Jesus says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And as I read, I thought, Judas, do you not perceive it? Judas' goals were clear in that moment. He wanted money. He'd shown up for his own tile in the mosaic. And because he couldn't forget, because he chose to dwell on the monetary potential for his own gain, he missed the new thing that Jesus himself was doing right there before his very eyes. It was a new thing that Mary understood. One commentator says that Mary's act comes in the midst of a world of treachery and betrayal in the world and among Jesus' followers. And Jesus' interpretation of Mary's action looks forward. Ultimately, this also means his resurrection. Jesus was doing a new thing. He would be away in the wilderness. His life would be given for hours, a stream in the wastelands of our hearts and of the weary world. And the question comes back to us, not just Judas. Do we perceive it? The good news is that God proclaims he is doing a new thing, not just did. He is active. He is at work. He is, by his Holy Spirit, changing lives and hearts and transforming things that were once dead and turning mulch into beautiful springs of flowers. He's doing something amongst us, Mars Hill. God is making a way. God has not forgotten God's character. God is faithful and steadfast and mighty to save. Do not dwell on the past. See, notice, plot the pattern. See the reflection of the full mosaic. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Amen. We're going to come to the table in just a moment, but before we do... Before you rush back there, I want you to take a moment to encounter God and to allow God to encounter you. And perhaps you linger in your chair a little longer and you lay your desires before God's self and say, this is what I actually really want. This is what I've been dwelling on and what I've been really after this whole time. And for some of us, that's going to be a confession and an ask for God to forgive us. God, I've been dwelling on the wrong thing. And some of us are going to cry out and say, God, would you cause me to run so fervently after you that my life reflects it?
clear about your goal, take that before the Lord before you go to the table. Or perhaps you plot the pattern and you showed up this morning because you need to be reminded of the ways God has acted in the past and that God is faithful to do it again. So perhaps you sit and you remind yourself of God's action, God's activity and faithfulness. I encourage you to take that space this morning. God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Allow me to share a short excerpt of a poem from Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. May you notice, Mars Hill, what God is doing at every turn. And just like Moses, just like Mary, may we respond in awe and reverence that we too might proclaim God's praise. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Would you pray with me in the spirit of thanksgiving? How right and a good and joyful thing at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So Holy Spirit, we pray that your spirit would meet us. The intersection between our dwelling on the past and us noticing the new. God, would you encourage our hearts in this meal? Remind us that you were doing a new thing and that that truth is available to us as we receive from your table today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So this is the story on the night he was betrayed. Jesus took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we join our voices now with this mystery, this mystery of our faith that acknowledges we won't always know what God is up to. We will not always be able to perceive it. But we trust in the faithful action, the steadfast love of God. 
And so we join our voices in the proclamation of this mystery with all saints around the world when we say that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So Mars Hill, we have Brian in the back who would love to pray with you as you ponder these few questions from this morning. Again, take your time. Then when you are ready, come and receive who you are, the body of Christ.